Welcome to the Pain Solutions Podcast. Dr. Wayne Fimister is a family physician with a special interest in chronic pain, whose passion is finding solutions for this epidemic problem facing one-third of the adult population. He is a clinical associate professor at the University of British Columbia in Canada and has developed one of the first online medical trigger point injection courses for doctors and nurse practitioners, a technique that is easily learned and implemented into the medical office of any doctor or nurse practitioner treating chronic pain. To get free access to Pain Solutions newsletter, blogs, and to register for his online course, simply register at www.waynefimister.com. On the podcast, Dr. Wayne brings together experts from various segments to share with you how they solve people's pain problems and how you can get this treatment too. And now, here's your host, Dr. Wayne Fimister. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for coming on tonight's show. My very special guest is Dr. Robert Silverman. Welcome, Dr. Silverman. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I greatly appreciate it. I am excited to be here. And as we just said before, we're going to have some fun with what they call the knowledge bombs. Okay, let's do this. Radio. So Dr. Silverman is a chiropractic doctor. He's a clinical nutritionist, and he's also an international speaker and author of the Inside Out Health, A Revolutionary Approach to Your Body. That was the number one Amazon bestseller several years ago now. So Dr. Silverman is very well accomplished and he's extremely well known in the business. So it's a real privilege to be talking about certain subjects tonight. And let's just start, let's go back in time a little bit just to you know, connect with our audience. Like, who is this guy? Where do you come from? Where do you go through your training? So really interested. I did not grow up wanting to be a chiropractor. I actually grew up and wanting to play basketball, and I did. And I grew up studying to be an accountant because when you grow up in a Jewish household in the Bronx, there's three things they tell you you have to do. If you're the best kid in the class via grades, you study to be a medical doctor like you. If you're smart, but you run the card game, you become a lawyer. If you don't know what you want to do and you know you have to get a job, you study accounting. Yes, I have an accounting degree. So I, I grew up in New York City. And I went to a business school in New York called Pace, and I was a walk-on Division II basketball player. And, you know, my epiphany hit at 21 with a back injury. Right. So back injury. So that lead to an interest in pain and, you know, figuring out a few things? Yeah, I was in pain. It hurt. And I needed some help. And there was no local doctor at the time that had anything other than take some, I guess at the time, aspirin. And it just hurt. And he said, lay in bed and rest. You know, it was 30 years ago. That's what they said. And my roommate told me, you know, you need to see a chiropractor. You know, interestingly enough, I had seen a chiropractor when I was 18 years old. And it was probably the worst experience that I had with a doctor in my life. So I kind of was off chiropractic and thinking either going to law school or going to PT school. You know, PT, (laughs) chiropractor, Democrats, Republicans, Yankees, Mets, all that kind of stuff. You know, he finally convinced me to go to this chiropractor at 21 years old, and I had a day as if, as if it was yesterday. And, you know, the Mark Twain quote comes to mind, the two most important days of your life, the day you're born and the day you knew why. I knew after he treated me, I wanted to be a chiropractor. And I don't know about you, but for me and a lot of my chiropractic, naturopathic, acupuncture brethren, we were touched. So, you know, the, somebody physically touched us, and it just changed our life's trajectory around and it did there you know i finished college uh, because my mom wanted me to i got a job offer from ibm everybody was happy and uh you know i worked the morning and i left and i took my prereqs which of course had to be all the sciences as you well know all over and i went to chiropractic school and i've been on that trek since then 
Excellent. Okay, so you went into chiropractic school, but now I'm reading here. You know, you've got to explain this. Six degrees in nutrition, like really. Yeah. Um, well, you know what? I was getting to degrees because I thought that degrees mattered. And we all know that knowledge matters. But what I was trying to do was harness all that I could at the time. And I knew nutrition was a critical element. It was a missing link to what I did. So as a chiropractor, I'm a big believer that we look at the mechanical and add the biochemical. So I wanted to make sure that I was extremely strong in aiding the biochemical processes of the body. And nutrition was a, the most viable option. Incidentally, that chiropractor who changed my life, who's now my patient, also spoke, you know, in a more rudimentary, at the time, nutrition. And that really uh, imbued me with enthusiasm to put it in my practice armamentarium, hence... I have a strong nutritional influence for pain and overall well-being. So for our audience listening tonight, you know, they've, many of them got lots of pain. Maybe they've got loved ones who are in pain. And really, the big question is, well, where do you start with this, this whole subject of how to transform pain or at least moving forward with the journey from maybe not knowing anything to let's actually address the inflammatory issue or the other issues that are associated with this. Right. You know, pain is a sign, as well you know, that it's a symptom, that something's wrong in the system. So we have to analyze those systems to get to that root cause resolution. The only unfortunate thing is when it hurts, people don't want to take the time to get it. Help me, please. It hurts. What can you do for me right now? And, and you know, you specialize in pain management, so you know that it's all well and good. What, what I'm about to say, but we do have to modify that pain at that moment. Are they going to go somewhere else? Once that pain's modified, they're going to allow us to get into the root cause resolution. So interestingly enough, I'm a big proponent in nutrition to work specific pathways, similar pathways and additional pathways to the drugs. I use a lot of low-level laser therapy that has FDA clearances, which we can talk about. And I speak a lot about movement, you know, and things, movement, breaks in movement will lead you down a path of injuring and re-injuring a joint. Just like if someone comes in, most common thing in America where we are is lower back pain. Eight out of 10 Americans have lower back pain. If I don't show them to stop bending improperly at their lower back, anything I really do is giving them a Band-Aid for a bullet wound. So I try and compulate all those things together to deal with pain. Exactly. I love it. I love your multimodal approach. So let's go back to nutrition. Okay. Say we've got a patient listening tonight and they want to change their diet towards something that's better for them. What would you be suggesting as just general principles? Obviously we can't speak specifics. We don't have patients in front of us, but you know, in general principles. Great question. So I'll give him a couple of acronyms, if you will. GPS of health. No gluten, no processed food, and no sugar. Don't add sugar to anything. Gluten means glue. It sticks to your intestinal tract. It damages your gut. Your gut is where 80% of your immune cells are. It's the house where your macro and micronutrients, your food, vitamins, and minerals are absorbed. Gluten is one of the most damaging things to your intestinal function. Processed food. Jacqueline once said, if man makes it, I won't eat it. That's processed food all sorts of toxins, low nutrient foods, high in sugar. Getting into sugar right now, sugar is a toxin. America consumes more sugar than any other country. Canada is number three. So you guys are right behind us. The average American consumes 160 pounds of sugar per year. Sugar is a toxin. It works with the reward center in your brain. 
sugar raises your insulin resistance level. When mice were offered sugar, 94% mice took sugar over cocaine. So it was very funny. I was up in Canada on the weekend that you guys had marijuana legal in all eight of your provinces. You know, we have certain states in America that allow for it. And I commented, I really didn't realize what was happening. I asked the Uber driver, what's going on? There's a long line for the pharmacy. And he said, well, it's about five blocks. Marijuana is now legal. And I laughed and he says, what's so funny, Yankee? And I said to him, you know, if we made sugar legal in America, it would be five miles. So sugar is the most commonly used drug in the world, believe it or not. And I would seriously consider decreasing the consumption of sugar with any of your patient base. The second acronym is take care of your DNA. No dairy, no nicotine, and no artificial sweeteners. Dairy has the components of the most allergic foods that we can consume. So I would strongly recommend us not consuming dairy. There's alternative milks, there's vegan cheeses, there's cashew cheeses. You can get around the dairy because most of your listeners now are going to start to cry. The gluten they may accept, the dairy, they don't want to give up. The nicotine's obviously extraordinarily bad, especially for spinal health and joint health because of the decrease in smoking of blood circulation to the joints. And last but not least, artificial sweeteners. While sugar is a drug, artificial sweetener is a drug on steroids, if you will. Artificial sweeteners have shown to increase stroke and dementia by two to three times. They also increase insulin resistance because they're sweet in the mouth. And the brain senses it, and we can talk all about the brain, and it senses it and releases insulin, and insulin resistant is one of the most inflammatory conditions you have. If you have pain and high insulin resistance, that pain is not going to resolve. There's one thing I wanted to say about pain. It just popped in my head. Uh, Lordomir Mosley, Australian pain guy, one of the best lines I ever heard in that pain is not a sign of tissue damage. It's a sign of protection of tissues to paraphrase what he said. Exactly. He has a great TED Talk, by the way. Yes, I, I love it. Okay, so wonderful. You've given us a few gold nuggets of abbreviations and basic things that people can start to even do today, tomorrow. That's, that's amazing. Can you just explain to us, you did mention in the middle of the nutrition dialogue about the brain and you know what is actually going on when we're consuming all this stuff that's unhealthy, it's inflammatory. But what is actually going on when the effects hit the brain? Well, interestingly enough, people don't understand one of the biggest connections that we have in the body, the second brain called the gut. So anything that damages the gut damages the brain. It actually, the gut speaks to the brain in a millisecond. So any kind of non-nutrient food, inflammatory foods is also going to affect the brain in the same manner. So a lot of people, as I said earlier, call the gut the second brain. It may be the first brain because it usually typically gets hit first. The gut communicates with the brain through a multitude of manners in that number one would be my favorite thing to talk about is the vagus nerve. So the vagus nerve is cranial nerve number 10. The vagus nerve is a nerve in which there is a direct communication between the gut and the brain. Its anatomy is very interesting in that it comes from the brain stem right by the medulla oblongata down through the transverse colon and innervates in some way, shape, or form. The vagus nerve is called the rest and digest nerve. So it communicates with the brain. Your bloodstream also communicates with your brain. Interesting that we have a single layer epithelial cell called our gut lining. We have the same proteins that make up the blood-brain barrier. 
So if you damage that gut lining from eating your gluten and your dairy and your sugar, the chances are you've damaged your blood brain barrier. And when you damage your blood brain barrier, you are now opening the door, the blood brain barrier, which is the bouncer to the brain. It actually filters 400 miles of arteries. You've now opened up the brain to be attacked by specific immunoglobulins and just, I'll call them bad guys. I don't want to get too technical on a podcast. And you're leading yourself down a path of neuroautoimmunity, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, et cetera, et cetera. Brain on fire, gut on fire, gut on fire, brain on fire. Exactly. Can you just give us an inkling of why our regular family physicians are not talking about this or our gastroenterologists are not talking about this? It is very disconcerting for me to still hear certain gastroenterologists who are extraordinarily well-versed and well-educated and not even tell people that gluten is a problem. I have had people come in and they said, well, there's no substantiation. That is ludicrous. It befuddles me why they aren't. Some may not be that interested in some of the new literature and some don't want to feel that they're wrong. And others feel that maybe the nutrition is something that they refer out to a nutritionist. But clearly there is more and more gastroenterologists, internal medicine docs like yourself that are coming and integrating this approach because you know the power that you have is the ability to diagnose and the power that you also have is the ability that if drugs are needed on or off the patient, you're able to do that. So I always love to lecture to the medical doctors and I always encourage them to come in because the room is empty. Fill up the population because it's all about patients first for us. Exactly. Okay, so we touched on the vagus nerve and the blood-brain barrier. That's the first time I've actually heard somebody talk about almost like the leaky brain, as it were, versus the leaky bell syndrome. And it's such an apt correlation and it makes so much sense to me. So I do appreciate that insight tonight. Leaky gut, leaky brain, gut on fire, brain on fire. So I'll give you one. So you said leaky gut. So this one's for you. If your gut's leaky and the antigen comes out, you have a multitude of immunoglobulins and abilities to stop it from going to true systemic inflammation, molecular mimicry. But if your brain's open, it's all about your brain tissue. So really we should start saying it's not gluten damages the gut, but what does gluten do to the brain? So imagine a patient comes into your office or my office and they have an injury. They have a herniated disc and their back hurts and that's understandable and it's acute, but they're eating a lot of gluten. Pain is centered in the brain. It's gonna be pretty hard to rewire that brain when every day that brain is inflamed. And people have to understand that what they put in their mouth may not make the difference in six hours, but it's going to make that difference over the duration of time. And that's a critical element. Why would you put bad fuel in the car that you like? You only have one body. Take care of it. Exactly. Exactly. And when you, you spell it out very clearly, it's just like, well, we have a choice. We must take responsibility for what we're doing to ourselves. Mm-hmm. As long as we're hearing this information from you know, leaders in the field like yourself, people can be encouraged to go, okay, we need to look at this, you know, we need to really start changing what we're doing. It just amazes me that very, very few people know about this stuff, like very few people. So, but that's why we're here, right? That's why we're here talking about all this stuff. Fantastic. 
Okay. How long does it take our bodies to heal from an inflammatory state? If we say, right, no more sugar, no more gluten, let's just heal this body of mine. How long do you find it takes with patients? You know, um, it's such a double-edged sword question, and I know you weren't doing that deliberately. So I believe that if you make these changes, I've had people see a difference in a week. I've seen people from a week to a month. The real thing for total or what we like to refer to as medical outcomes or maximum medical outcome is going to be the amount of damage that they've done to the different barriers, the gut barrier and the blame barrier. And it depends on their inflammatory state and autoimmunity. But we always want to give the patient some short-term goals because they want to attain them so they feel like they've achieved something. They'll see a difference between in one week to one month. It'll make a wholesale change. I can't tell you as a chiropractor, so many people have come in with a headache and said, I'm getting treated today. I'm going on vacation for two to four weeks, which I always find interesting the day before vacation is decide to see the doctor. It's only so much I can do. What's one thing that you would recommend? And I said, listen, if you just promise me that you go gluten-free for the month that you're away and they come back and they said, you know what? My headache's almost gone or sometimes my headache's gone. I don't understand it, but the literature is so robust on gluten and musculoskeletal pain, you're taking away some of the irritants. I tell everybody, do you ever pick at a scab? You know, the doctor always told you not to do that. Well, your finger is the gluten that you're consuming right now and you're picking at the scab. Can we please let it heal? Exactly. And I think because of the restaurants and all the you know, food places we can eat, it's pretty straightforward to choose a gluten-free option. And it's doable. You know, it it really is doable. I've got a question on this because it's something I've thought about a little bit. You've got gluten-free and then there's the the pro-inflammatory proteins that are over and above gluten, right? Say the lectins. Ooh, lectins. Lectins, that's another subject. paradox, we're there. That is the ditch, let's go for it. And what would you say the percentage of, you know, say we're going to heal your gut and you say take away gluten. But it's, yeah, it's maybe 50% effective. It's maybe 75% effective. How much good can we do from just gluten? Forget the rest of the lectins, just the gluten. Well, I'm happy that you said that gluten was a lectin. I mean, that covers a lot because I'm going to answer your question first. I think that you'll see a 50% improvement by just cutting gluten out. Now, to speak to the idea of lectins, lectins aren't everything because if you take wheat and dairy out, only at that point, taking that out, those wheat and dairy agglutatins, only about 10% of the population are actually allergic to lectin. And the word lectin means direct binding tissue. However, if you're allergic to lectin at that point, with the concept of it being a direct binding tissue, it's going to directly bind to specific structures. And, you know, we're only, again, now going back to that Band-Aid and a bullet wound if we don't take that lectin out. So I do recommend people test for lectins, but the percentage of people who are allergic to lectins aren't probably as high as Gundry, with all respect, brilliant guy in the plant paradox because he coupled wheat and dairy in there. And we all know that wheat and dairy are a no start, no bueno. Brilliant. I love that insight. It's just something I've been thinking about for a little while now. So you said 10% allergic to lectins. So how much are we intolerant to lectins then? You know what? That's great. We have not seen any literature on intolerance to lectins. I think what Gundry's done that was fabulous was he created awareness to something else. 
I think not that it's negative. I think he may have, you know, when you get myoptically focused on something, the world becomes lectins. You know, take the wheat, take the dairy out, see if you're allergic to lectins. And as you alluded to earlier, let's individualize it. You and I may need the same diet, but we both know we shouldn't eat gluten. We shouldn't eat dairy. We shouldn't eat processed food. We should eat whole food. We should limit our sugar intake. We shouldn't use any artificial sweeteners. And we shouldn't smoke. And we're probably all going to benefit from that. I mean, there's other things for sure, but at that point, somehow, somewhere, lectin is going to fall in there. I love your balanced approach. You know, I've followed Gundry for quite a while. I've followed a few others in the field of, you know, nutrition, and it's just wonderful to get a more balanced insight. So I really value that tonight. Thank you so much. I'm a believer. I want to take what we call, so I live in the East Coast, so we always talk about the Ivy League schools because we can grow ivy. But the one thing of my friends who went to the Ivy League schools said, the key component is to take what's good and leave what's questionable. So as opposed to complain about it, obviously concerning ourselves with lectins, testing it out and going from there, it is the choice. Yeah. So listen, any final comments you want to share tonight? We've gone pretty deep. I've asked some personal questions, professional sure. personal questions on the subject. Anything else you would like to share just to wrap up this one subject tonight? I always said taking medicine and thinking you're healthy is like getting a loan and thinking you're rich. Okay. I'm not anti-medicine. I just think that people think, oh, well, I took, I took an NSAID. I don't feel it. So I'm fixed, I'm cured. And that's a very big misconception that the pain opiates and the NSAIDs don't heal, they just mask pain. And truly, unfortunately, in many instances, not to say that people shouldn't use them to break the pain cycle, but they're very deleterious over a period of time. Exactly. Well, thank you, Dr. Silverman. It's been a real joy tonight. I've laughed more, I think, than than most podcasts. (laughs) There you go. I I try and entertain. I know. You did well. (laughs) So listen, thank you so much. We're going to wrap this up now. And I look forward to meeting you hopefully in a few months' time. I look forward to it. Take care of your body. It's the only place you have to live.